Hey friends, just so you know, we enjoy the swear word and we rely on good old fashioned humor to get through some seriously dark subject matter. At no time do we intend any disrespect toward the victims or families of the victims in the cases we cover. Also, be sure to listen to the end for a few palate cleansing bloopers to reset your mindset. And with that, we thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Crime Will Tell. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jamie. All right, James. This is part two of the, of the case. Yeah. Robert Hansen, the butcher baker. If all y'all haven't listened to part one, it should be in your podcast feed directly below this episode. And you're going to want to listen to part one first so that you're caught up. And also, we'll be talking about abduction, torture, Rape, sexual assault, hunting. This is a rough one. Mm. Can you hear that music outside? No. It's so fucking loud. Was I dancing? No, it's just oh, like... Just and somebody's got... I think it maybe it's a motorcycle or something, but it is like lighting up the town. Ugh. All right, so... We've established that Hanson is a gigantic piece of shit. Yeah, he's like an A-plus turd. Yes. Part one mm-hmm. was was gnarly. This part is super fucking gnarly. Cool. Part one, we talked about Hansen's first victims that he abducted or he attempted to abduct, he raped or he attempted to rape. And the police, by that point in 1976, suspected him of killing at least three women, Celia Beth Van Zanten, Megan Soibon, Emmerich and Matt, Mary Kathleen Till. Hansen denied killing all three and claimed that his first victim was who police had dubbed Eklutna Annie, who to this day has never been identified. Mm-hmm. She was discovered by electric workers that were repairing a power line near Eagle River in a heavily wooded area about a mile south of Eklutna Lake Road in Eklutna. Alaska, which is how she got her name, Ekletna Annie. Right. According to Alaska's Department of Public Safety, her remains were found on July 17th, 1980, and authorities guessed that she had been dead about a year before she was discovered and that she was between the ages of 16 and 25 mm-hmm. when she died. By the time she was found, her remains had been half eaten by animals And decomposition was so advanced, it was impossible to identify her. Mm -hmm. But they could tell she was white, that she might have had some Native American ancestry, and was between 4'11 and 5'1. So she was was tiny. Yeah, sounds like it. Her hair, which was a light brown color with a bit of red in it, was worn in a longer style, so she had longer hair. She was found fully clothed wearing a brown leather jacket, a light-colored knit sweater, jeans, and red knee red knee-high high a bit red knee-high high-heeled boots. So okay. FMPs all the way. <laughs> 
The jewelry she was wearing consisted of a wide copper bracelet with three turquoise stones, a beaded necklace with a turquoise shell and a heart charm, gold hoop earrings, and a gold ring with a white stone. A distinctive Timex watch was found near her body. It was distinctive because it was the way in which it was um, designed was distinctive. It had a gold chain band, a gold case, a brown face, and white watch hands. So it was, you know, it kind of stood out. Yeah. In the pocket of her brown leather jacket, authorities found Salem brand matches. After being caught... Hansen told investigators that he assumed this woman was a topless dancer or probably a sex worker. That was his assumption. He picked her up in Anchorage and told her he was driving them to his home in Muldoon for sex. But when she realized he wasn't going in the direction of Muldoon, she attempted to escape from the moving car. So he pulled a gun, he shoved it in her face, and he told her, quote, if you do exactly what I tell you and don't give me any problem whatsoever... There's going to be no, you won't get hurt in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. So this is what he says that he told her during his confession to the police. So with all of this, at some point, Hanson's truck became stuck in the mud. So he was like going off road. He got stuck in the mud. So he forced her to get out and help him get the truck free. And when she got out of the truck, she made a run for it. Hansen caught up with her. He tackled her to the ground. She took a knife out of her purse and she swung it at him. He wrestled the knife from her and then stabbed her to death. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm glad she fucking fought, but. He confirmed Mm. that this woman was who police knew as Ekletna Annie, but he couldn't identify her because, again, this is another case where he hadn't even bothered to learn her name. Hansen in his confession. So now we're going to get into all of the women that Hansen actually confessed to killing during his confession with the police when they finally caught up to him. Okay. So he admitted to abducting, raping, and killing Roxanne Eastland, who had been missing from Anchorage since June 28th, 1980. She was reported missing on July 2nd, and to date, her body has never been found. Wow. At the time of her disappearance, she was staying at the Budget Motel in Anchorage with her boyfriend. Roxanne was 24 years old. She was five foot three inches tall, and she weighed somewhere between 90 and 105 pounds. She was itty-bitty. So he picked small women. Small women that lived, that were in sort of the transient community, like they, like, They wouldn't be believed by cops or missed by anyone is Mm -hmm. where he was targeting. She was white, had brown eyes, brown hair, and she had a birthmark on the top of her shoulder and one on the top of her right thigh. She had been last seen wearing jeans or pants, black high-heeled boots, a short brown leather jacket with a fur collar, and was likely carrying a purse. It is thought she wore wire-framed glasses. On July 8th, 1980, a woman's badly decomposed body that had also been completely ravaged by bears was found in a gravel pit near Ekletna Lake Road. So he's got a favorite dumping ground. Right. She was identified as Joanna Messina. Hansen admitted to abducting her two months earlier on May 19th. 
She was a topless dancer in Seaward who had relocated to Alaska from New York with her German shepherd dog. S, sorry, is this S-E-W-A-R-D? Correct. Not the C word. Is it Seward or Seward? Seward? Have I been saying it wrong this whole fucking time? I don't know. Seward. I, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like the same, but Seward's Folly was like how we obtained Alaska, I think. And it was a, I think it was a guy's last name. I don't know. Maybe it is Seward. I don't know. Uh, she was a topless dancer, dancer in Seward who had relocated to Alaska from New York with her German shepherd. Mm. Joanna had accepted a dinner invitation from Hansen, thinking that she would get paid for sex. But when she brought it up, Hansen got pissed. He told authorities that he drove her and her dog to an isolated area by the Snow River, struck her with his gun, a twenty-two revolver, and then shot her twice and shot her dog once. He moved her body into the gravel pit and chucked her dog and her things into the wilderness. And then he tossed the gun into the Snow River. On December 2nd, 1981, 33-year-old Andrea Mona Altieri disappeared after telling her roommate she was headed to the Boniface Mall in Anchorage to go shopping with a, quote, older man. She was never seen or heard from again. Wow. Andrea worked as a popular exotic dancer and was known as Enchantment. That was her stage name. Mm -hmm. But her friends called her Fish because she wore <laughs> a necklace with a fish charm on it. So they called Aww. her Fish. I like that. Hansen yeah, it's cute. Hansen admitted that he abducted Andrea, threatened her with his gun, and then handcuffed and blindfolded her. He took her to a service road by the Nick River Bridge where he sexually assaulted her. She fought back. When he removed her handcuffs and blindfold, so he shot and killed her with his gun, which was a 22 Browning automatic pistol. So he's got, he has an arsenal. He's got all, he's all kinds of guns. Oh my God. He snatched the fish necklace off her neck and he threw her off the bridge into the Nick River after he tied her to a duffel bag full of gravel. He basically just disposes of these women, these humans, these people that had lives like trash. Like a fucking Wendy's cup. On September 12th, 1982, a female body was discovered by hunters in a shallow grave. She was clothed and had been shot in the back three times. A 223 caliber slug was found by authorities, as well as a spent 223 caliber shell casing in the grave with the victim, leading investigators to believe that she had been shot with a 223 Ruger Mini 14 hunting rifle. Damn. So he was using all kinds of different guns to yep. throw. Yep. Oh, wow. Her face was bound with an ace bandage. The shallow grave was in the Nick River sandbar. Two weeks later, through dental records, the victim was positively identified as Sherry Morrow, who was a waitress and topless dancer from the Wild Sherry, a bar that was in downtown Anchorage. Sherry had been reported missing on November 23rd, 1981, so not quite a year prior to when her body was found, by her boyfriend, Dale Yankoski. She was just 23 years old, had light brown hair, blue eyes, stood about 5'6", and weighed about 125 pounds. So he's got a type. Yeah, and he's, I assume he's going for like smaller women because he's taking them out a ways. 
Like he's always driving them somewhere that or he flying can, them somewhere. Right. So that he can easily probably overpower them if they start to suspect, you know, suspect that they're not going where he said yeah. they were, which is ugh. Sherry's boyfriend told the Anchorage Police Department that the last time he saw her was about 1130 p.m. on Monday, November 16th, when he had dropped her off at work at the Wild Cherry Bar. She was wearing jeans, a baby blue ski jacket with dark blue trim on the shoulders, which sounds fucking rad. I know. And silver wireframe glasses. While she had been shot in the back three times, her clothes had no bullet wounds. This meant that Sherry had been redressed after she was killed. Because again, he takes them out, he strips them naked, and he tells them to run, and then he hunts them. Right. God damn. I just... But why go through the effort of redressing her? I just... I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird twist. That was September... So now we've we've got June 28th, 1980. That was Roxanne, Roxanne Eastland. We've got July 8th, 1980. That was... Joanna Messina. We've got December 2nd, 1981, Andrea Mona Altieri. September 12th, 1982, that was Sherry Morrow. Now we've got September 2nd, 1983. It's like almost one right after the other. There's, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. imagine how the investigators are feeling right now. Right. Like, fearing, like, when, when is the next body going to pop? Yeah. And who the fuck is this guy? So on September 2nd, 1983, a female body was found in a shallow grave by the Nick River, almost a year to the day after Sherry Morrow's body was discovered nearby. This body was also fully clothed. There was a 223 caliber shell casing found near her grave. Paula Goulding was a topless dancer that had met Hansen. Hansen had offered her $200 just to have lunch with him. She had been killed the same way Sherry Morrow had been killed and had also been redressed after she was murdered. Really? Hansen admitted that he abducted her on April 25th, 1983, and flew her in his airplane to an isolated area, where he then stripped her down, released her, hunted her, captured her, viciously tortured her and raped her, and then killed her. And at some point redressed her. Cause... And then at some point redressed her, yep. He killed her. Fuck. He told p- police that he killed her with his two twenty three when she tried to run. Yet he tells them to run. It's yeah. it's just fucking. Ugh. On April 24th, 1984, Sue Luna was positively identified through dental records after her body was removed from a shallow grave about a mile east of the old Nick River Bridge. Sue's sister, Roberta Moorhead, had gone to the Anchorage Police Department on May 30th, 1982, almost two years earlier, and filed a missing, missing persons report for Sue. Hansen confessed and gave police directions where to find her grave, and that's how they found her body. During his confession, he shared with police that after abducting Sue on May 26, 1982, he forced her to strip naked and made her run like an animal through the wilderness while he hunted her down with the gun. When he captured her, he shot her to death. Sue had just made her way to, to the Anchorage area a few weeks earlier with her daughter. She accepted $300 from Hansen to do a photo shoot. So she thought she was just getting together with a photographer to do a photo shoot. Wow. On the same day that Sue Luna's body was found, April 24th, 1984, the body of Malai Larson 
was found in a parking area near the old Nick River Bridge. Damn. Hansen confessed to murdering her and led the authorities to her body. Malai was 28 years old, had been a dancer, and had disappeared sometime in June of 1981. She had been reported missing on July 10th of that same year, 1981. Can you imagine them finding both those bodies? And this is because they finally captured Hansen. And so now he's confessing and he's given up all these bodies. So it wasn't random that they... So now they're coming fast and furious. So now they've got Sue Luna on April 24th, 1984. Malai Larson on April 24th, 1984. And now they're going to come fast and furious. So April 26th, 1984, two days later, the body of 25-year-old Angela Lynn Federn was found by a small lake that was located near Figure 8 Lake. So there's Figure 8 Lake and then a small lake near there. That's where she was found. The last time anyone saw her was in February 1983 on 4th Avenue in Anchorage. Three months later, three months later, in May, the manager of the nightclub Angela worked at as a dancer finally contacted the police and reported her missing. She hadn't shown up for work for three months. Hmm. It took three months. It's really sad that it's your boss that reports you missing you know like a lot of these people that go missing and there isn't family like frantically looking for them always makes me really sad yeah that's true and then as I was getting all high and mighty on my throne about it taking three months this was such a transient community especially with sex workers and exotic Mm -hmm. dancers for them to just skip town and no call no show is probably really common So maybe the fact that the manager did call and reported her missing was actually a good thing, even if it did take three months to do it. Hansen admitted to abducting, raping, and murdering Angela Linfodern. Three days later after that, on April 29th, 1984, the body of Tamara Joy Pedersen, known as Tammy, she went by Tammy, was found near the Old Nick River Bridge after Hansen confessed to abducting and killing her and showed the location of her body to police on his aviation map. Wow. Tammy had moved to Anchorage and had become an exotic dancer at a nightclub. She started dating her boyfriend, and then they actually had settled into a really nice life. So she was an exotic dancer. She was making money. She had steady employment. She found a guy. They started dating. They moved in together. They settled down, and they had a really nice life. August 7th, 1982 was the last time her family had heard from her. She was only 20 years old and they eventually traveled from Seattle area to Anchorage to look for her. And they finally reported her missing when they couldn't find her. They couldn't figure out, they couldn't even pick up a thread. She was very loved by her family who continued to look for her until she was eventually found. They never gave up. They never stopped looking for her. Mm -hmm. A week later, on May 9th, 1984, the body of Lisa Futrell was discovered buried near a gravel pit by the Old Nick River Bridge. He loved that this is his place, the Old Nick River Bridge. Damn. I'm guessing this is the same gravel pit Joanna Messina's body was found in, but I'm not sure. Maybe there's more than one gravel pit there. Almost four years earlier, in September 1980, Lisa was working at a nightclub in Anchorage when she met Hanson. On September 7th, the 41-year-old was reported missing by her roommates when she didn't show up after her shift at the nightclub. She didn't come home. On May 17th, 1984, 
the body of 22-year-old Teresa Watson was discovered unburied by Scenic Lake. She was a dancer in Anchorage and was last seen on March 25th, 1983. Her roommate told authorities that she went to meet a man who was going to pay her $300 for just a couple hours of company. Wow. So he's really switching it up, like yep. how he's luring these women. Mm-hmm. Lunch. Just companionship. Photography. Yeah. A chat. Yeah. Ugh. Hansen then abducted, raped, and murdered Teresa. Mm. On August 20th, 1985, the body of Delyn Renee Fry, known as Sugar, her nickname was Sugar, it was so cute, mm. was found on a Nick River sandbar. At the time, however, her identity wasn't known, so her body was buried as a Jane Doe in a cemetery in Anchorage. Delyn went missing sometime in March of 1983 at the age of 19, but it wasn't until six years later in 1989 when an Alaska state trooper with a keen eye was able to give Delyn's remains a name after recognizing jewelry of Delyn's from a photograph in the case file. According to an article published in the Daily Sitka Sentinel on January 2nd, 1996, Delyn's mother, Jean Hawk, who lived in Fairbanks, Alaska at the time, initially talked to authorities in 1983 when Delyn had gone missing and let them know that her daughter had broken her right arm and that perhaps this could be used to identify her once her body was found. When her body was discovered in 1985, police said the remains were too decomposed to be identified. Jean Hawk was like a pit bull with a pot roast. (laughs) As my mother would say, (laughs) she was holding investigators accountable and was the squeaky wheel. She was like repeatedly contacting the Anchorage police department. She was like every day, what is the update? What's the progress report? What are you doing to try to find my kid? What are you doing to try to identify these remains that you found? In 1989, the investigation was handed over to the Alaska state troopers from the Alaska, from the Anchorage police department. They transferred it to the Alaska state troopers who ordered that Delyn's remains be exhumed for further testing. Because again, at this time, they still hadn't identified her. The bone fractures in the right arm of the remains, which weren't too decomposed to identify, mm-hmm. matched the medical records of Delyn. Which is what her mom was saying six years earlier. Right. I love when there's always like a mama bear or a mm-hmm. dad that's just like, mm-mm. Like, I'm not going to let you guys set this case aside and let it go cold. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to hear from me constantly. And and I, I don't know how many shows I've watched that they're like, her mom or her dad or whoever, like, they're what kept the investigation going. They wouldn't let us stop. And I fucking yep. love that. So that's yeah. good. It still took another year for investigators to officially declare the remains were Delyn Renee Fry. Jean hmm. Hawk sued for intentional and negligent infliction of emotional distress for it taking so fucking long to identify her daughter. She's like, what in the actual fuck? The court ruled against her, saying she had failed to show these two points had occurred, being the intentional and negligent infliction of emotional distress. She appealed, but her appeal was denied. So in the end, she wasn't successful with her lawsuit. Essentially, basically, what the Supreme Court of, what the Alaska Supreme Court was saying was like, any person that goes through something like this has emotional distress. Right. The police weren't intentionally trying to inflict it. So it's a slippery slope. Right. I get that. So legally, 
she wasn't able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the intentional and negligent infliction and like that the state was out to inflict this on her and that's why she lost. So let's just take a beat here. I just went through so many victims, one after the other, after the other. It was for many, many years, the same police officers and authorities and investigators that were identifying these victims or discovering these victims or working the case. There were so many victims, so much torture, so much pain and fear. There's just simply no way you or I or anyone who hasn't been in similar circumstances can understand what these girls and women went through and what their families go through every day still probably. Right. It's incomprehensible. It is so fucking sad. And I just want to take a beat to just acknowledge that these women, these girls, they, they were humans. They had lives. They had people that loved them. They were sisters and daughters and wives and mothers. And yeah, I can't even imagine someone close to me that that would be how they, their life would end. Like I can't imagine how scared and helpless they were. They're just, it's fucking horrible. So. Oh God. Let's talk about his capture. Yes, and the badass woman who was responsible for ending his killing streak. Yes. On June 13th, 1983, 17-year-old Cindy Paulson was working as a sex worker in Anchorage when Hansen approached her and offered her $200 for oral sex. Of course, Cindy was like, fuck yeah, $200 for 15 minutes of work? I'm in. Yeah. And in the 80s, that was a lot of fucking money. A lot of fucking money. Still is. Yeah, totally. $200? Are you kidding me? That's a lot of money. But when Cindy got into Hanson's car, he immediately shoved a 357 Magnum in her face. He handcuffed her, and he drove her to his house. After getting Cindy inside, he took her to his basement where he put a chain around her fucking neck and secured the chain to a post. So she was chained up like a goddamn dog. Fucking kidding me? Then he began to repeatedly rape and torture her. After a while, he loaded her back into his car and drove her to Merrill Field where his airplane was. He told Cindy he was going to fly her to his cabin in the Matanuska Satsitna Valley, which is about, it's north of Anchorage by about like 35 miles. Okay. It's isolated. Yeah. When they got to Merrillfield, Hanson got out of the car and told Cindy that if she tried to run, he would kill her. She was sitting in the back seat with her hands handcuffed in front of her body. As Hanson started loading his airplane, Cindy saw her chance when he had his back to turn to her. She climbed to the driver's seat. She opened the driver's side door and she ran like fucking hell towards 6th Avenue. What? Hanson realized she was escaping and started chasing her down. Shit. Just at that time, a truck driven by <sighs> Robert Yount was passing by just as Cindy got to the road and was frantically flagging him down. Ah, okay. He stopped. Cindy scrambled in and Yount drove her away. Oh, so wow. she escaped. And he drove her to the Mush Inn. <laughs> the Mush Inn. <laughs> where she frantically asked the front desk clerk to call her boyfriend who was staying at the Big Timber Motel. Robert Yount was like, 
hey man, glad I could help. I still got a load to deliver. So he took off. He continued his drive, but he called the police to report what happened. Good. Authorities were like, Jesus. So they hightailed it to mush in. But by the time they had gotten there, Cindy had fucking left. She was like, bye. Yeah, get she me the took fuck a- out of here. Mm-hmm. She took a cab to the Big Timber Motel, which is where her boyfriend was. Right. right? By the time the police caught up with her there, she was sitting in room 110 at the Big Timber Motel, handcuffed, alone, and fucking terrified. Aww. I don't know where her boyfriend was. I guess he was out. They took her down to the police headquarters where she told them everything. She described what Hanson looked like, the configuration of the basement, sections of his house that she saw, how they went to Merrill Field, what his airplane looked like. She even left her shoes there as evidence. Oh, hell yeah. Because Cindy was only 17 and she was a sex worker, they didn't really believe her. Are you fucking kidding me? No, they didn't believe her. But. After they started checking out details of her story, including her identification of the house and the fact that the house belonged to Robert Hansen, who had been on their radar before, they realized, oh shit, maybe she is telling the truth. Maybe we should look into this. Finally. So the police found Hansen, and when they questioned him about Cindy, he flatly denied all of it. He was like, no, sorry, she's full of fucking shit. She's just pissed off at me because I wouldn't give her any more money than what we had agreed to. So she's just trying to get me in trouble. I'm just a simple baker. Yeah. During the questioning, Hanson was calm. He appeared to be forthcoming, truthful. And his friend, John fucking Henning, provided Hanson with an alibi. Great. For why? I don't know. But with that, the case stalled. The police were like, fuck. Meanwhile, a suspect profile based on the murders of the three initial women that the police suspected Hansen of murdering, but he's adamantly denied, Beth, Mm. Megan, and Mary, that suspect profile was developed. It showcased a killer that, quote, would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, have a history of being rejected by women, and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as victims' jewelry, And that perhaps the assailant might stutter. (sighs) And just like that, Hansen was back hotter than fucking hot as suspect number one. Good. So with the combination of the suspect profile and Cindy's report, the police finally had what they needed to get a a warrant to search Hansen's plane, home, and vehicles. And that's exactly what they did. And on October 27th, 1983... While executing the search warrant on Hansen's home, authorities discovered jewelry that belonged to some of the missing women. So now they've got a direct link. They also discovered a butt-fuck ton of firearms that were hidden in Hansen's attic. And this is also when they located that infamous aviation map that had the X marks all Mm -hmm. over it. He had hidden this map behind the headboard of his bed. And then there's Darla, like, isn't he great? Like, what the fuck, Darla? Jesus Christ. She's still hanging out. The police realized these X marks were likely the grave sites of Hansen's victims because many of the X mark locations matched up with the sites where some bodies and remains had already been found. Wow. So it was not, it was too much to be a coincidence. With all this evidence in hand, the authorities arrested Hansen and they questioned him. 
And during questioning, as authorities started to like, be like, hey, we've got all this evidence. We've got this, we've got that. Here's where we found these. But he finally just began to confess. Hansen admitted to murdering 17 women and raping another 30. Fucking A, dude. In the 1970s and early 80s, he admitted that he targeted sex workers and exotic dancers. Only 12 of the 17 women that he admitted murdering have been located. And all but one, Ekletna Annie, has been identified. So we still have six women that haven't been identified, five of which have not yet been found. Wow. But police believe Hansen may have killed as many as 24 women and girls because the map his map had 24 x's on it no shit Mm. so in february 1984 hansen was convicted of murdering ekletna annie sherry morrow joanna messina and paula goulding he was sentenced to 461 years in prison plus life nice so basically every single possible way to like make sure he didn't get out. Right. Hansen died of natural causes at the age of 75 at Alaska Regional Hospital in Anchorage on August 21st, 2014. He had been transferred to the hospital a few days before he died because he was in ill health. Boo. Fucker. It always pisses me off when they live like, because he targeted such young women and he lived to be 75. Mm -hmm. Like that just makes me, I want to kick him right in the, fucking scrote <laughs> the scrote <laughs> <laughs> in all the victims believed to have been murdered by hansen are lisa Futrell, age 44 malai larson age 28 sue luna age 23 tamara tammy Pedersen, age 20 angela federn age 24 Teresa watson age unknown Delyn Sugar Fry, age 20, Paula Goulding, age 17, Andrea Fish Altieri, age 22, Sherry Morrow, age 23, Ekletna Annie, identity unknown, age somewhere between 16 and 25, Joanna Messina, age 24, Robin Pelkey, formerly known as Horseshoe Harriet, age 19 or 20, Roxanne Eastland, age 24, Celia Beth Van Zanten, age 17, Megan Emmerich, age 17, and Mary Till, age 22. Man. His two children are victims, too. This case has been, like, ridiculously widely covered. So many podcasts have done this case. So many TV shows have done this case. And it has and it is said that there have been many, many times when they've been tracked down and have been asked to participate in documentaries or episodes or, you know, whatever about what their father did. And from what I was able to find, apparently they both moved to somewhere in the Midwest and they have turned down all requests for interviews. Mm-hmm. They have just completely distanced themselves. Were they daughters? All I know is they he had two children. I was curious if he had daughters because I like have a a daughter at home, but to go out and treat young women that way. BTK. Yeah. 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 It just like, it's so fucking sick. I can't even. I don't know if it's the media that's done a good job or if it's others, but 
the children, there's like nothing. And I, I, I didn't try to dig into the children very much because it's very clear. They don't want anything to do with this. They don't want to be a part of this. And so I'm not going to be the one that's going to be bringing their names into things. Oh, for and sure. talking to, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I would be the same way. I wouldn't want to be out there. Like, yeah, my dad's Robert fucking Hanson. Like, why, why would you? Hell no. So Darla, would you believe that she had a master's degree in education? Uh, no, I would not believe that. Yeah, she did. And she stayed with him all the way up until he was finally convicted in 1984. She was extremely religious and she firmly believed she could help Hanson get on the right path eventually. And she she married for life. Like that there's divorce is not an option. And after Hanson's conviction, Darla admitted she knew he was up to immoral things, but she thought that was the fact that he was just visiting sex workers. She had no idea he was murdering women. Okay. Well, Darla, you don't have to overlook that either. So Darla and the kids, they stayed in Alaska for about two years after Hanson's conviction, but they ended up moving back to Arkansas to be near Darla's family. Well, I shouldn't say moving back to Arkansas. They ended up moving to Arkansas to be near Darla's family. Like his two children bullied incessantly in Mm. school because of this. So she divorced Hanson finally after he was convicted. She sold their house and the bakery, and then she eventually remarried. Good. There's also a movie out that's based on Cindy's story. It was released in 2013. It's called Frozen Ground. So um, John Cusack plays Hanson. Right. Nicholas Cage plays uh, Glenn. I think his last name is either pronounced Floth or Floth. He's the Alaska State Trooper that was like a fucking hero. I didn't even I didn't talk anything about the trooper side or the investigation side, but he was an absolute hero of the story and so his role is played because he actually um interviewed cindy oh wow okay yeah i also firmly believe that the still unknown victims have a chance of being identified still oh i'm sure at some point they will yeah i hope so if the descriptions of any of these victims to you everyone that's listening sound familiar to you or if you were in the area or you know someone that was or you remember anything, no matter how small the detail or something just nags at you, you could call the Alaska Bureau of Investigation's Cold Case Investigation Unit at 1-907-269-5611. Or you can call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. I really hope that the ones that have not been identified become identified and that maybe maybe eventually we can find the remains of the others that we still haven't been able to right yeah so that we can at least bring them home and give them a a proper burial and resting place yeah and that is the horrific and vile case of robert hansen i had to cut out all of the investigation because this would have ended up into one and a half hours of two or three parters (laughs) And so I had to cut it out because there was so much great, there was just great information about like the interviews and the questioning that Glenn Floth did and the rest of the state troopers and like 
steps that they took to like, like finally narrow in on Hanson. And so I started writing all that in and I ended up taking that side of the story out because Mm -hmm. it it was, it's, there's so much, so much information. It's crazy. And it was because he was, when he confessed, he was willing to talk. I mean, thank goodness that he. Yeah. Because we, he pointed the police to several women's graves. Right. And names and things that they could at least identify yeah. some of them. So I, I mean, at least grateful for that, but fuck you. Not you, Robert Hanson. You're great. You're great. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah. So cousin Amy, I hope you enjoyed our take on this case. You, you had requested that we cover it cause you just wanted to hear our take on it. And it's a rough one. You picked a good one. <laughs> Thanks for the doozy. Thanks for the doozy, Amy. Yeah, no, but we really do appreciate the suggestions and we are getting to them. So like I said, the next episode that I'll be telling is also a suggestion and there's many more on the books. Yeah, so, we have a whole master list and we we hear you and we've got it all there. Yeah. So if you have any suggestions, please send them to us at crimewilltellpod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means just... I can't even tell you how much your support means. Yeah. We would hug you if we could. Virtual hug. (laughs) That's how I hug. It's creepy. You're a grunter. (laughs) Yeah. You're a hug grunter. I I like to nuzzle and go. "Mm." (laughs) It's it's You also smell the hair at the same time. As close to the ear as I can get. So you know I'm sniffing. Yeah. But also follow us on Instagram facebook uh think i think we're getting a tiktok i think we're gonna do a tiktok i think we're gonna do a tiktok because we've been told why are you not on tiktok yeah we're we're like like, uh, what's tiktok because we're (laughs) not eighth graders we're not eighth graders (laughs) we old and shit i'm like god check out our myspace page (laughs) that's more Do do you what's your aol messenger name right we know yours is sweet tits still. You have sweet <laughs> tits right. for everything. Sweet tits. I do. With my email address. <laughs> sweet tits at hotmail.com. Yeah. So a TikTok coming at you at some point. We'll make it yeah. happen. We'll figure that out. We have a lot to figure out. I know. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And we hope you come back for episode 12 yeah yeah do it i'll give you a dollar (laughs) okay all right bye james goodbye carrie sweet dreams to you (laughs) you're like bye fuck off (laughs) i gotta make sense of that crap what are you talking about don't just dip your toe let's polar plunge that shit don't just dip your toe bobby joe am i doing it right it's so fucking raunchy and nasty oh i did it yesterday i did it better than you